Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the return of the Traffic Enforcement Division, our unexpected spring heat wave, and the ever-rising tax burden of living in Portland. Joining me today is CityCast Director of Newsletters, Brian Vance, and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, May 12th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brian, John, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Good to be back. Brian, I, I love that you're becoming a regular. I've always dreamed of being a regular somewhere. You know, you see like <laughs> movies and TV shows, you got regulars at bars, you got regulars at, at other spots. I'm a regular here, apparently. That's that's probably healthier than being a regular at a bar. So, <laughs> But since you're a regular, you probably know that at the top, I usually ask just a question. Uh, so everyone who's listening knows who's in the room and uh, can quietly judge us with our answers. Um, so today's question is, what is your favorite Portland park? And I'm asking because it's going to be a hundred thousand degrees, uh, pretty soon. And we're, a lot of us are going to be going to parks and <laughs> trying to escape the heat. I'm going to go first just so you guys can, uh, gather your answers. I feel like mine is going to be just like, such a, like, everyone's going to know what I'm going to say. Cathedral park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, can I just say I live in St. John's like anymore on the show? Uh, but I love that park. It's right by the river. It's got the boat ramp. You can do several things. You know, you can you can look at people take pictures uh, from their wedding <laughs> like all day right. long. Well, Cathedral Park is not actually in St. John's. It's in the neighborhood Cathedral Park. You're right. Which most people don't know is its own neighborhood. Yeah. And you've got the shade of the bridge, you know, like exactly. it, it provides great shade, especially when the sun's like right above you. So, yeah, the coolness of the river, you got that breeze going, mm-hmm. you know, you got that all you got. You have so many shady spots. Yeah, that's definitely. What about you guys? What's your favorite park? I'm going to go a little bit, uh, a little bit east and uh, pick Peninsula Park on Rosa Parks. Um, oh, yeah. Which is so cool. It's got the Rose Garden, which is just so beautifully amazing, and the big fountain in the center, and you can sort of sit out there and and just enjoy the flowers. And then there's that whole other side of it, which during the pandemic was like a, a central meeting place for me. I would always meet up with my friends and be like, let's just go to Peninsula Park. We'll bring a blanket. We'll sit outside. Um, they have a splash pad there. Very good for hot days. You can cool off a little bit and hang out with some kids. Isn't uh, that, I was like, isn't that for children, John? Yeah, <laughs> but if, you know, pad? you could, you <laughs> could. Pads are for everyone. Just <laughs> as long as you play it cool, you can duck in and okay. get your head wet. Yeah. <laughs> God. You don't want the kids to judge you, but like, hey, as long don't as you, worry about this adult you can, man. <laughs> you can run through really quickly. With the full beard hanging out here with all your children. We're totally fine. We're, I'm a cool guy. The kids will understand. Yeah, Peninsula Park's beautiful. That you yeah. know, original site of the the Rose Garden. So I'm gonna. Uh, people are probably gonna call this cop out, but I mean, I live really close to it. So Mount Tabor. Uh, it's you know, it's a volcano. It's got miles of hiking trails. It's significantly cooler at the top. Uh, Mm -hmm. than at the bottom Mm -hmm. because you actually change elevation. And on super hot days, you can stare at the fenced off reservoirs and dream about how wonderful it would be if you could actually swim in them, (laughs) but knowing that you can't because, yeah, uh, they're fenced off. So, yeah, it's it's just a great park all around. Are are those reservoirs actually like city water supply? No, not anymore. They got in trouble for that because, you know, open air (laughs) reservoirs are not safe and birds were pooping in them and all this other stuff. I remember, um, this is like a little known fact about me, but I moved to Portland right after college and I got a job with the city uh, testing water because I used to be a scientist, which is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know before before I moved into podcasting, <laughs> um, and so I would get, get all the 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 lab samples, and we would always get that test. And I remember there was a huge shutdown of that reservoir, and it was like a big deal in the city. Well, in my lab, anyhow, because we're just like we found out a teenager peed in it, and we're just like, God dang it! <laughs> <laughs> Old Portland problems, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much, you guys, for playing. Uh, I'm wondering what headlines this week you guys were were thinking about sharing brian as a guest do you want to go first yeah yeah so you know i've got my eye on uh the heat wave it's about to get really really hot here again uh it's only may and we're about the top 90 degrees in portland this weekend i mean they're, they're looking at consistently uh high 80s low 90s for like five straight days six straight days actually uh based on what i'm seeing now and it, it's it's just a uh really shocking reminder of, uh, you know, the effects of climate change and how Portland, which used to be known for super mild weather is becoming in the summers, at least increasingly dangerous and unbearable. And, you know, I live in East Portland, which is, uh, the site of some really awful stuff that happened two years ago when we were in the midst of a heat dome, you know, like more than 50 people died due to, to heat related illness. And a lot of them were in East Portland, where we have far fewer trees, where we have far fewer parks, where we just don't have the amenities that the Southwest Hills are famous for. Mm -hmm. um, and so all that concrete absorbs heat. Uh, you know, you have lower income people out here who are less likely to have air conditioning, and it just creates a, a really nasty situation really quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was born and raised in LA, and one of the big reasons I decided to go to college in the Northwest was because I hated being hot because I was one of those poor families that never had an A. I grew up in LA and it never had an AC. Yeah, <clears> and I feel like that, like if anyone's like, how tough are you? And I'm like, I grew up <laughs> and I didn't have an AC. I remember being a child and literally falling asleep at noon because it was so hot. Like my, my brain just shutting down because it was like, you must conserve energy now, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It really bums me out that this is happening. And it's also just a little scary because you're just like, well, so how early. much worse is it going to get then if yeah. it's yeah. just May? Because uh, you, know? you think about the, the recent heat waves we've had. So the past two years, we've had really bad heat waves that killed people. They were both in June. It's it, it keeps happening early and earlier. And this isn't the first heat wave we've had this year. I don't know exactly when, but I think in April we had one where it got really hot for a few days. It wasn't the prolonged heat that we're about to enter. But, mm -hmm. you know, there were two days where I remember I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm staying inside with the windows yeah, shut. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still rocking the window unit lifestyle. And I feel like I've always sort of prided myself on never putting them in until at least June. And now I'm like sitting here being like, I think they got to come out of the basement today, this week. I think I'm, I've got to put them in in like the second oh, week man. of May. And I feel it's just like, oh. I mean, like, I'm totally with you, Brian, on what you were saying about just like the danger that this heat poses for people um you know and like there's a researcher at psu who like did a bunch of like really good research into how urban conditions affect people during heat waves and and something that i i saw he wrote is that it's not just about like where in the city you are but it's also people who live in high rises yeah. are way more vulnerable too because heat rises he mm. had this article that said uh uh, we end up seeing that apartments in the upper floors of a building are sometimes 30 degrees hotter than the bottom uh. floors of a structure, which like you think about the way the city is built. There's a lot of people who are living higher and higher off the ground now. And those apartments are just going to be oh, not great. 
hopefully they have AC. Mm-hmm. Well, but but <laughs> this is what's cool is even if you don't have AC, there are, you know, some simple things you can do to keep yourself cool. The biggest one is like if you have any east or south facing windows, keep your curtains drawn, mm-hmm. you know, when the sun's actually shining on them, keep them drawn, keep those windows shut. Uh, you know, overnight and early in the morning, open your windows up when it's the coolest outside. Let some cool air in, get a cross breeze going, cool things down. Uh, my favorite thing, which I learned when I was living in South Carolina without air conditioning, is uh, to make like a DIY swamp cooler, mm. which is to take a a box fan or some sort of fan and a giant bowl of cold water and sit it in front of that fan and let the fan just blow the cold vapors out. It It actually cools down cools you down a little bit it's like a really janky old school form of ac but it but it works you know um i love it so yeah there's all kinds of little things you can do to keep yourself cool and the biggest one is just like be be smart you know don't go outside when it's at its hottest or if you do make sure you're going someplace where it's cool and there's shade and there's protection from the elements and take over a splash pad kick out the kids exactly take over a splash pad <laughs> poor children take a boom box set up a party like <laughs> the kids will be okay <laughs> I don't know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're resilient. They'll take a nap. Their brain will shut down. I know. <laughs> it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, any other hot tips? Yeah. Don't walk your dog for long periods of time in the summer. Concrete is basically a, a griddle, and your dog's paw pads are basically going to fry. So you know, think of your think of your pup. Be careful. Yeah. Uh, take them to grass and don't take them out at the highest point. They also don't sweat like we do, so they can get heat exhaustion really quickly. Yeah, I, I heard the the rule of thumb is to put your hand down on the floor, and if your palm, if you can't stand it, if you're just like ow, then think about your like that is your dog yeah, right there. That's your dog, but four times, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're little pinky toes. Oh, so cute, so sad. <laughs> just thinking about them getting burned. Gotta out. Protect those puppy paws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, John, what was your story of the week? I'm looking at what's going on with the traffic division here in Portland. So you might remember uh, the city basically gutted the traffic division back in 2021. Uh, They had a staffing shortage and they had had 20 people that were out trying to enforce traffic laws. Um, they took it down to one person at that, that point. One there, was, there was one guy. One guy. And he was, and, and, they, and uh, an article from OPB said he was like mostly focusing on coordinating parades. <laughs> so he wasn't even doing, he was like, focus, this is, this is from Alex Zelinsky. He was mostly focused on coordinating parades and overseeing state and federal traffic grants. Um, Interesting. Oh, have you, have you seen any of the quotes from him? He seems so jaded about all this too. Like, I feel like he was probably just locked in a room for the past two years alone, just looking at maps and grants and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, his his, his name was Sergeant Ty Engstrom. And luckily, Mr. Engstrom is going to get some coworkers. Uh, They're putting 14 people back on uh, patrol duties in the city. So by the time that this gets to all of you on Friday, it'll already be in effect. Uh, The team's going to be working from 5 p.m. until 3 a.m., mostly focusing on um, DUIs, uh, people who are driving intoxicated, and other, like, really major traffic violations in the city. So traffic cops coming back. Yeah. I mean, DUIs, you you have to do. (laughs) Like, the fact that that wasn't happening was blowing my mind. Because people were saying, like, oh, yeah, like, they'll catch them, and then it's like a catch and release thing. And it's like, well, maybe keep them. Maybe keep keep the DUI, <laughs> you I know? I think this is actually, like, 
this ties into a lot of stuff that we've seen with the police over the past few years in Portland. Like they made this cut because they were saying there were staffing shortages, but they broadcasted this cut so, so loudly that like it was basically open season for anyone who wants to drive recklessly. Cause you knew, mm-hmm. um, and then they like, yeah, they'll, they'll cite someone, but they don't arrest them. And it's like the same stuff you see right now happening with the DA. It's like it, the DA can't prosecute people if you don't actually uh, arrest them and, and follow through. So it's like, if the police aren't doing their job, so many other aspects of society break down. And when police mm-hmm. are not enforcing traffic laws, we see record-breaking spikes in traffic fatalities. I mean, two years in a row now, we have set the record for the most traffic fatalities in Portland. That's not a coincidence. Like, it's a direct result of the the cuts to the traffic division. You said that the statement was, hey, we, we, we cut this division because of, of staffing. But then they also said, hey, we're cutting this division because we, we can't seem to figure out how not to be biased. Right. And, <laughs> do you remember that? It yeah. was a lot of stories. Like, they were just like, look, it's going to be great because, like, for one, we don't have the, the staffing. But two, like, we're not going to stop arresting black and brown people. Right. If, yeah. we don't, if we don't pull anyone over, then we won't arrest anyone for and it. And to me, I'm just like, that is not how you fix that problem. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. But, yeah. but it is something to keep an eye on. Because that problem still has not been fixed. They are not no, coming exactly. back with a solution. And, um, you know, they were um, er, they were stopping a wildly uh, larger proportion of, like, BIPOC drivers than they have a population in the city back in, like, 2019 when yeah, well, not there that were numbers on this stuff. It was not that long ago. And, no. like, yeah. you know, while we are seeing, like, record numbers of traffic deaths right now, and we definitely, definitely, definitely want to bring that down um, – I hope that we like keep an eye on how this gets implemented because um, I would hate to see things sort of swing back into the other direction and traffic stops once again become an excuse for profiling people in the city, which I think there's a really big risk of. Cool. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Well, uh, my story this week is, uh, it's an infuriating series, actually. So uh, the Oregonian, Mike's, uh, uh, I don't want to say, I don't don't know if I'm saying his last name. Mike Rogaway. Rogaway, thank you. What up, Mike? (laughs) He's been following this saga (laughs) since last year, which is uh, officials in Moro County voted for the largest business incentive package in Oregon history. We're talking like tax breaks that would amount to over $1 billion dollars. Also, Amazon can build five data centers along the Columbia River. Now, this is a community of maybe like 12,000 people uh, bending over backwards for one of the world's wealthiest companies, just like for the privilege of housing these like hideous windowless like farms, like server farms in like a pretty prime location. Um, But they're like, that alone is just like, that sucks. But here are the two reasons why I'm like, hold up. Well, one, it's been proven that data centers like need a low numbers of employees. So if they're just like, oh, it's going to bring jobs, not it's really. BS, yeah. It's BS. It's just a locker for computers and servers to stay cool. And I did some digging and found out that the Twitter data center in Hillsboro only has 18 employees. Yeah, it's crazy how few people. I mean, sure, and you're going to get some huge. construction employees, but construction exactly. jobs are not enough reason to give a, a Uber wealth or uber wealthy company a one billion dollar tax break that is not mm-hmm. long-term employment in the community Mm-mm. yeah one of the articles i read on it said they're hoping that amazon will um spend 12 billion dollars in their county which How? like 
I mean, conceivably, if you buy a bunch of computers and put them there, they're spending $12 billion, but like... But they're not buying the computers in <laughs> Morocco. It's not like there's a giant Best Buy warehouse that's going to sell but, Amazon. But yeah, exactly. The... Like, <laughs> that that investment doesn't benefit the, the citizens of Morrow County. Yeah. Well, but here, who it is benefiting is that... Um, this is the, the, the thing that made me want to flip a table over, is that some of the very Morrow County officials who negotiated with Amazon now stand to profit from the deal. So two of their current port commissioners are part owners of this fiber optics company that will be like Amazon's service provider. Mm. They did a back deal with Amazon yeah. to mm. be their service provider in because Am Amazon had been like hounding them for more tax breaks, right? And it essentially got to two to three people and they're just like, but what if we, what if we hired you guys? Um, and so, of course, people are upset. But uh, a Moore County commissioner, Jim Doherty, uh, actually was quoted as saying, "Like, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that we would have craft that we would have crafted stauncher deals to begin with, had it not been for three or four of these folks who were working these deals behind the scenes." And like, that's damn, that is incriminating. So effed up. <laughs> like, that what? is incriminating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not clear if they recuse themselves from the vote, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and isn't there the whole thing that this was started, like in the shadow of the legislature is looking at rolling back some of the laws that make these types of things possible even. So it is also kind of a deal that's like getting in under the wire. Right. And the legislature might say that these sorts of uh, tax breaks are going to be reformed. Right. Well, and it's it's going to cost that community. Like, it's we don't have sales tax in Oregon. So the idea that, like, they're going to spend $12 billion on, like, computers, cool. That money's not actually going into the local county. You know, it's not paying into general funds or anything like that because we don't tax sales. So it's like, in the end, it's that community that's going to suffer. It's you're now going to have these giant, ugly warehouses right along pristine, you know, real estate uh, on the Columbia River. And the reason they love to come to Oregon is because we have super cheap hydropower. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like it's it's incredibly cheap. And these data centers gobble up ungodly amounts of electricity. So they they take more than their fair share of, of tax breaks. They take more than their fair share of um, electricity. And they give you back 18 jobs. Like, cool. That, I, I would love to see the math in the end. 18 times five, you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, we're not the only ones who are upset. Like, the actual residents of Morrow County are just like, hey, this was hijacked by people in power. They don't want that. They're just like, there was even an argument of, like, when they call 911, who's going to go? The, the, the services that we pay for with our taxes that they're not paying for? Like and I was yeah. like, that is a really good point. That's a like, excellent point. Yeah, they're go they're going to be um, sucking up resources of the community. The community is like putting in, and what's going to end up happening is what's happening here in Portland, like right now. Yeah, which is, I don't know if you, again the Oregonian this this time it was Sh uh, reporter Shane Dixon Kavanaugh reported that. A mayor Wheeler actually called like this, like halt. Let's all you know come to Jesus meeting with like nearly every agency you know uh, in in Portland to be like, hey, we just we're about to roll out the most taxes that anyone here has paid, and we have to or we have to figure out like which ones are actually important, which ones should come first, because uh, as he said, this region's collective tax bur burden. Um, is putting an en enormous strain on like households that are barely struggling now, you know, barely able to survive. And and I feel like 
the reason all of these tax hikes, like there's so many holes in people's like uh, in, in transportation, in in services, because we gave so many tax breaks to like, we're giving so many tax breaks to Intel, to Twitter, to all these companies that are coming in, these high tech companies, and they're not paying their fair share. Yeah. Are those Intel tax breaks happening in the city? No. So what they did is they basically, uh, the tax breaks that the city has given is in terms of uh like real estate. Well, like what y'all talked about the other day, you know, like exactly. the, the Ritz Carlton developers who's, who's like, no, I'm not going to put in uh not going to put in some some affordable housing. I'm going to pay a fee, but then is like, well, let me actually mark that fee down, you know. So it's like Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people are able to move in. Um they're also just like, hey, you don't have to pay the city taxes to build things, you know, because I mean, and you can see the the good part of that is like, well, yeah, we, we need to build some infrastructures, but um, it's it's not evening out. And now the, uh, Portland residents are paying an insane amount. Like, yeah, it's it's every single thing you pay for is is going up. And of course, everyone's like, well, the recession. And it's like, yeah, but the recession hits the people who are paying these taxes as well. And you've already got our money. And yeah. you want more. And at a certain point, you have to be like, maybe you should think about that before you give every business coming in here a tax break and they're not paying into the collective pool, you know, of like th- this community. Yeah, you see this all the time. And it's it's not a Portland, it's not unique to Portland. Like this is a thing that happens all over the US. We constantly rob our future to pay for our present. So mm-hmm. we rob future tax bases to entice companies to come here. Who then, you know, don't pay any money in tax. You you look at these huge tech companies, they are famous for paying as little uh income tax as imaginably possible. I mean, some of them are, are paying literally zero dollars a year in federal income tax. So this is not a just a Portland thing, but it, it keeps happening. We keep sabotaging our our, you know, long-term success, our long-term viability for quick fixes. Yeah. You know, and I, I keep saying like business taxes and whatever, but like this is what's messed up is like local businesses, their taxes have increased by 32% between like 2019 to now. Mm-hmm. And it's all for like preschool, homeless services, all this stuff, all the things that they're like not really seeing right now. Like they're feeling left out of, you know, being, you know, of the policing services, they're being left, they were feeling left out by city hall and they're still paying the most taxes they've ever paid. Yeah. These, these tax breaks go to huge companies. They don't go to the, the corner store or the little exactly. restaurant or the daycare or the, you know, the carpentry business. They're not going to that. And and especially the like real estate tax breaks, those are going to mega developers, not the guy who wants to build a duplex so that he can provide an affordable unit, you know, and also have a place to live. Those aren't the people getting the tax breaks. It's the already wealthy, super uh, profitable businesses that are getting these tax breaks. And that's one of the ways they keep their profits up. So it's an inflated, you know, uh, it's inflated numbers and it creates this system of inequity that just permeates everything. Mm-hmm. You just hit it. I feel like this, if we're talking about inequity, if we're talking about how do we like figure out um you know, this economic downturn that we've had, the loss of middle class. And it's like, this is the biggest one. It's it's this. It's the robbing of like, you know, of taxes uh, from from communities that aren't, aren't being served by these larger companies. Like they're promising jobs and everyone's noticing like, hey, it's not an equal trade. 
Yeah, and I also think it's a question of like having city government or any government be a lot more proactive in figuring out how to support small businesses, you know? Mm -hmm. Because like whether we're talking about Morrow County where it's giving all this money to Amazon or Portland giving these huge tax breaks for the Ritz-Carlton, like there is no way proportionally for like a small business to tap into that same thing. And I think the reason is because it's way easier for a regional or a city government to look at these huge projects and be like, we're going to dump a bunch of money into that and it's going to create a lot of jobs. Whereas trying to foster small businesses is a lot more arduous and like takes a lot more work and a lot more subtlety uh, than just like going after a few major projects. But like, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, like that's what we need to have a thriving city is, you know, having small, you know, locally owned businesses being supported. And like, especially we've been talking about crime pretty often on the show. And a lot of small businesses have been talking about how much crime they're facing too. Oh, you know? Let's be, yeah. Amazon's not the one getting robbed, no. you know, no, it's the, no. it's the <laughs> small bakery. It's the small shoe store. It's the small, you know, like all these small retailers and and restaurants that are the ones getting hit. It's not these huge corporations. Intel, no one's breaking into Intel and stealing microchips. Like yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish Although they would. Although that would, would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like Mission Impossible style. I just, just like... want to see, I want to hear that story. I want to see it in my head. They have to, they they have to do that little circle glass cut thing that you were talking <laughs> about. It you comes back. They have to do it. They have to do it. Brian, you don't understand. We've had this circle cut glass we're conversation. We're going to make it happen. I feel like that should come up every every roundup. We should just talk about Ocean's this circle. Twenty seven. You know, they rob an Intel factory in the Silicon Forest and they just cut a glass circle and pull it out. Yeah. Well, um, the last thing I want to say about that is that I feel I feel it makes me sorry because I feel like our city there's like not a tax that we don't say yes to. <laughs> We're just like, sure. <laughs> what do you want to do? Oh, um, an art mural tax. Let's go. Like, we're just, we're very like, yeah, let's, let's get, cause we're giving, we're giving community. We're like, yeah. who needs money? Sure. Okay. It's for the kids. It's for this. It's for that. Um, but we're not seeing an investment. Like we're not seeing a return in our investment is what I want to no. say. We're, and I feel like they're like, like art, the taxing is like, it's, I, I think they're going to see a big rebellion. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, I think we are. We're already seeing yeah. population declines in Multnomah County for the first time in decades. And like, you, I, I don't think it's as simple as to say that it's all because of taxing, but it definitely plays a part in it because the cost of living here just keeps going up and you can't mm -hmm. afford it. And it's like, yeah, Portland is full of people with great intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's like, we need to get more serious about uh, how the money that we already pay into the government is being used and and make it more efficient. I mean, maybe they really should take a lesson from these tech companies that they're so in love with and, you know, study the data. Look at, at like, where they can be, uh, you know, where they have bloat, where they have, you know, pork that can be cut and mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, use the money more effectively. Well, I mean, all I'm hearing is um, tax is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're, we're, you know, we like to keep our money as much of it yeah. as we can. I get it, you know. We, we also like infrastructure, though. Yeah, and and safe <laughs> we streets, like city and... services, and safe streets. <laughs> well, thank you so much, you guys, for uh, for joining me today. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Always fun being on. 
That's all we have for you today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Steven Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>